What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit. Chapter 21 of The Courage of Marge O'Doon this is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Courage of Marge O'Doon by James Oliver Curwood. Chapter 21. Saki Wowen, what did she mean when she called you that? It was Brokaw's voice again, turning the words round but repeating them. He made a step toward David, his hands clenched more tightly and his whole hulk growing tense, his eyes blazing as if through a very thin film of water, water that seemed to cling there by some strange magic, were horrible. David thought, Sakiwawin, a pretty name for himself, he had told the girl, and here it was raising the very devil with this drink-bloated colossus. He guessed quickly. It was decidedly a matter of guessing quickly and of making prompt and satisfactory explanation or a throttling where he stood. His mind worked like a racehorse. Sakiwawan meant something that had enraged Brokaw, a jealous rage, a rage that had filled his aqueous eyes with a lurid glare. So David said, looking into them calmly and with a little feigned surprise, Wasn't she speaking to you, Brokaw? It was a splendid shot. David scarcely knew why he made it, except that he was moved by a powerful impulse which just now he had not time to analyze. It was this same impulse that had kept him from revealing himself when Brokaw had mistaken him for someone else. Chance had thrown a course of action into his way, and he had accepted it almost involuntarily. It had suddenly occurred to him that he would give much to be alone with this half-drunken man for a few hours, as McKenna. He might last long enough in that disguise to discover things, but not with Hayuk watching him. For Hayuk was four-fifths sober, and there was a depth to his cruel eyes which he did not like. He watched the effects of his words on Brokaw. The tenseness left his body, his hands unclenched slowly, his heavy jaw relaxed, and David laughed softly. He felt that he was out of deep water now. This fellow, half filled with drink, was wonderfully credulous, and he was sure that his watery eyes could not see very well, though his ears had heard distinctly. She was looking at you, Brokaw, straight at you, when she said good night, he added. You sure? 
Sure she said it to me, Mac? David nodded, even as his blood ran a little cold. A leering grin of joy spread over Brokaw's face. The, the little devil, he said gloatingly. What does it mean, David asked. Sakiwawan. I had never heard it. He lied calmly, turning his head a bit out of the light. Brokaw stared at him a moment before answering. When a girl says that, it means she belongs to you, he said. In Indian, it means possession. Damn, of course you're right, she said it to me. She's mine. She belongs to me. I own her, and I thought... He caught up the bottle and turned out half a glass of liquor, swaying unsteadily. Drink back? David shook his head. Not now. Let's go to your shack if you've got one. Lots to talk about. Old times. Kicking horse, you know. And this girl. I can't believe it. If it's true, you're a lucky dog. He was not thinking of consequences. Of tomorrow. Tonight was all he asked for alone with Brokaw. That mountain of flesh, stupefied with liquor, was no match for him now. Tomorrow he might hold the whip hand, if Hayuk did not return too soon. Lucky dog, lucky dog. He kept repeating that. It was like music in Brokaw's ears. And such a girl, an angel. He couldn't believe it. Brokaw's face was like a red fire in his exultation, his lustful joy, his great triumph. He drank the liquor he had proffered David and drank a second time, rumbling in his thick chest like some kind of animal. Of course she was an angel, hadn't he, and Hayuk, and that woman who had died made her grow into an angel? Just for him? She belonged to him always had belonged to him, and he had waited a long time. If she had ever called any other man that name Sakiwawan, he would have killed him, certain, killed him dead. This was the first time she had ever called him that lucky dog. You bet he was. They'd go to his shack and talk. He drank a third time. He rolled heavily as they entered the hall, David praying that they would not meet Hayuk. He had his victim, he was sure of him, and the hall was empty. He picked up his gun and pack, and held to Brokaw's arm as they went out into the night. Brokaw staggered guidingly into a wall of darkness, talking thickly about lucky dogs. They had gone perhaps a hundred paces when he stopped suddenly, very close to something that looked to David like a section of tall fence built of small trees. It was the cage. He jumped at that conclusion before he could see it clearly in the clouded starlight. From it there came a growling rumble, a deep breath that was like air escaping from a pair of bellows, and he saw faintly a huge, motionless shape beyond the stripped and upright sapling trunks. "'Grizzly,' said Brokaw, trying to keep himself on an even balance. Big bear fight tomorrow. Mac, my bear, her bear. A great fight. Everybody in to see it. Nothing like a bear fight, eh? Surprise her, won't it? Pretty little wench. When she sees her bear fighting mine, bet you a hundred dollars my bear kills Tara. 
Tomorrow, said David. I'll bet tomorrow. Where's the shack? He was anxious to reach that, and he hoped it was a good distance away. He feared every moment that he would hear Hayuk's voice or his footsteps behind them, and he knew that Hayuk's presence would spoil everything. Brokaw, in his cups, was talkative, almost garrulous. Already he had explained the mystery of the cage and the Indians. The big fight was to take place in the cage, and the Indians had come in to see it. He found himself wondering, as they went through the darkness, how it had all been kept from the girl, and why Brokaw should deliberately lower himself still more in her esteem by allowing the combat to occur. He asked him about it when they entered the shack to which Brokaw guided him, and after they had lighted a lamp. It was a small, gloomy, whiskey-smelling place. Brokaw went directly to a box nailed against the wall and returned with a quart flask that resembled an army canteen and two tin cups. He sat down at a small table, his bloated red face in the light of the lamp, that queer animal-like rumbling in his throat as he turned out the liquor. David had heard porcupines make something like the same sound. He pulled his hat lower over his eyes to hide the gleam of them as Brokaw told him what he and Hayuk had planned. The bear in the cage belonged to him, Brokaw. A big brute, fierce, a fighter. Hayuk and he were going to bet on his bear because it would surely kill Tara. Make a big clean-up, they would. Tara was soft, too easy living, and they needed money because those scoundrels over on the coast had failed to get in enough whiskey for their trade. The girl had almost spoiled their plans by going away with Tara, and he, Mac, was a devil of a good fellow for bringing her back. They'd pull off the fight tomorrow if the girl, that little bird devil that belonged to him, didn't like it. He brought the canteen down with a bang and shoved one of the cups across to David. Of course she belongs to you, said David, encouragingly. But, confound you, I can't believe it, you old dog. I can't believe it. He leaned over and gave Brokaw a jocular slap, forcing a laugh out of himself. She's too pretty for you. Prettiest kid I ever saw. How did it happen, eh? You lucky dog. He was fairly trembling as he saw the red fire of satisfaction, of gloating pleasure, deepen in Brokaw's face. She hasn't belonged to you very long, eh? Long time, long time, replied Brokaw, pausing with his cup halfway to his mouth, years ago. Suddenly he lowered the cup so forcefully that half the liquor